Welcome to the Karate Combat Podcast. Whoa! Wow! That was nice. nice. Hello and welcome to the Karate Combat Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle John, and I'm here to talk about karate and beyond. That rhymed, and I did not intend for it to. I'm sure if you're listening to this that you either are or have been a fan of karate combat or some other mixed martial arts fighting for some time now, but for the sake of the setup of this precious episode, I'm going to pretend that you, like me, are brand new to this very, very cool, exciting fighters league. So what if I told you then that the next biggest MMA league has been quietly amassing millions of followers and they're now totally changing ownership operations with a never before seen business model as a decentralized autonomous organization. For those of you that are familiar with web three and crypto world, you know what a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization it is, but I can imagine that there are a lot of folks who don't. So what I want to do with this podcast is break this down a little bit. I can help contextualize it from the front end a little by explaining the difference between a centralized league and a decentralized league. So if we look at UFC, UFC is kind of like Goliath. Goliath is bald, has a lot of money and has a lot of rich friends and makes a lot of money on the fights that it throws. The benefit to this is that the league is widely popular and generates a lot of revenue. But the downfall is that despite its fans being really loyal and willing to dish out a lot of money, they're not really viewed as anything other than butts in seats. The fighting is exciting and the best of the best fight each other because the centralized figurehead, who is Dana White, aka Goliath, says that they fight. So we always know in whatever respective weight class who the champion is. There are other smaller MMA leagues that have sprouted up and do relatively well. So imagine now that these smaller MMA leagues are like David's. Rather than David trying to take down Goliath, which, as we all know, is possible, what if David could clone himself by a thousand and work together in a decentralized way to take down Goliath? And that's essentially what Karate Combat is looking to do with its fans. Its fans are now all lending themselves as multiple Davids to make this league completely decentralized where the fans now have the power. So this podcast is about adding some context and education to this new Karate Combat Web 3 venture. And to start things off, I don't think there's really a better guess than the main Web 3 brain of Karate Combat goes by the internet pseudonym Only LARPing. So grab you a PVC pipe, Put some foam on it, get you a cardboard shield, brush up on some medieval slang, milady and sir, and let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, That's Michelangelo, right? I don't know. Let me Google it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. Actually, which, in our Discord, I think I have a little Michelangelo. Which Ninja Turtle has orange headband? Yeah, it is Michelangelo. 
Nice. So we're here live with Michelangelo, <laughs> the Ninja Turtle who also works for Karate Combat. It's a really cool concept. Who knew they would hire turtles? So you guys, Karate Combat hires anybody. They'll pull up any sort of reptile off the street. That's the Dow's uh, DEI policy. Yeah, it's good. It's a really good policy. It's really cutting edge. Nice, dude. Well, what's up? How we doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just got back from a little walk. Nice. So like for clarity's sake, what is your official title with Karate Combat? Yeah, I mean, I don't have one. Nice. And, you know, Karate Combat's well on its way to being a real Dow. So I'm a contributor, but I've been around since the start and traditionally was an investor in the org and super involved in a bunch of other ways, especially on the marketing front. And then had a lot to do with the crazy stuff we've done with the Karate Combat backgrounds over time. And right now I'm largely leading the charge on everything we're doing in Web3. So for like the average fighting fan, give me like a brief rundown of what Karate Combat is. Actually, I'll even give it to you for someone who's not the average fighting fan, someone who is new to fighting, really. And that's easy for me because I'm not the most knowledgeable person in the org on martial arts. So the really simple way to think about it is either boxing plus kicking Mm -hmm. or UFC without the wrestling, without the grappling. In the UFC and a bunch of other MMA leagues, grappling, wrestling is super dominant. And it's really difficult to win unless you're an excellent wrestler or grappler. You have a lot of training in jiu-jitsu. Karate combat largely eliminates wrestling from the rule set. So it ends up being a stand-up fighting league, largely. Mostly punching and kicking, some throws. And, you know, that's what it is to the casual. Yeah, I'm learning very quickly. They call that, it's a striking league. There's a little vocabulary for everybody. Striking league mostly. Yes, so, which is super entertaining, by the way, because especially if you're a casual fan, you don't understand what's going on on the mat. You might get a little bored watching a couple people wrestle around on the ground for a long period of time. That doesn't happen in karate combat. You got you know, five seconds to strike your opponent while they're on the ground. Then everybody has to get back up. Okay, so karate combat's been around since 2017, correct? Yeah, 2018 probably is the first fight. And that was pretty, maybe we had like one or two events in 2018. So, you know, we kind of think about it like we're on the tail end of the fourth season. We moved away from seasons onto a more traditional numbered format. So we're having KC 37 soon. Right. On December 17th. Yes. In Orlando, Florida. Yes. Yes. Backlot Orlando Studios. I've been. Yes. I was on the lot. I just kept looking around being like, where's the slime? <laughs> where's slime time live? Oh man, we should integrate it. We should give it away or something. Yeah. Give away slime or like have the backdrop be just like a slime waterfall or something. I like it. Um, I like it. I need to trademark that idea just in case it ever happens. So you've been around since the beginning. Yeah. And was coming up with karate combat as a Dow your idea or was it something that came from like a collective think tank? Walk me through where that idea first got started and then what happened from there. So good question. So I've actually been in the crypto space from very early on, almost a decade now. And we've always been thinking, is there some way to combine the worlds? 
with everything we're doing in sports, with everything I've been doing in crypto for almost a decade. And most of our ideas were awful, so they never went anywhere. But at the end of 2021, we collectively came up with an idea that uses Web3 technology that we absolutely loved because we thought it worked perfectly for sports fans. And transitioning to the DAO was the way to make that all happen. So I would say the whole idea in its entirety was led more by what we're calling and branding up only gaming and transitioning to a DAO is a critical piece to make that all happen. Mm. Okay. So Um, I think we, I'll rewind a little bit to, to DAO world. So like I, I deal with this problem every time anybody from my family or otherwise asks me what I'm doing and I say, I work in a DAO and they're like, okay, what is that? Like some sort of ethnic food. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's got its roots in crypto. So if I was a strange family member asking you what a DAO web through was and I had no context, can you explain to me what that is and how it differs from the conventional stereotype of crypto being like pump and dump? And then how that, what the actual technology is doing for sports and how you intertwined all that. So like sports leagues are already pretty weird orgs, right? Like the NFL is actually run by 32 billionaires, NBA, NHL, MLB, not that different, actually. You know, that MLB has a constitution, but at the end of the day, it is these kind of weird collectives, but of billionaires. But in karate combat, the league is going to be controlled by the fans and the athletes and the suppliers. But at the end of the day, the fans will have the most say in how the league is run. And we use new Web3 technology that's being built every day to make that seamless so that millions of fans around the world can share their voice and make their voice heard and how the league is run. So Karate Combat, if it was run by standard Web2 technology, how does that work? And then what does the incorporation of Web3 technology do to differentiate that from like traditional sports leagues? Sure. So actually the technology that a regular sports league would run on is like legal technology that's been around for hundreds of years, incorporation, a lot of lawyers, paperwork, et cetera. So technology Um, doesn't even mean like computers. It's like, yeah, like, Yeah. yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, basically. And we've had to build from the ground up the legal technology to make karate combat working as a DAO be a practical thing. A lot of DAOs are mostly built around governing code. And a lot of them do that without ever putting in place any sort of real legal infrastructure. Once you move to things that are closer to running a sports league or trying to buy an NBA team, you need the proper legal infrastructure in place for it to be reality because we have IP, we have fighter contracts, we have domain names, social media accounts, content, copyrights. So we we needed to build a real legal infrastructure to interface with all the new Web3 technology tools that are out there to make this happen and make it a reality. Interesting. So 
what's the difference between like legal technology built into the blockchain, which is the technology behind crypto versus just coming up with a legal contract that would make fans be a part of the league? Sure. So the way we use all this new technology to run the league is in a large way efficiency, right? We're going to be giving these tokens away to millions of our fans. We plan to give them away forever, essentially. We've promised to give away at least half of them. And to do that in an efficient manner and also elicit the participation where people actually care, where they're actually getting involved, you do need to leverage new technology. It would be really impossible without all the things that are being built in the Web3 space, to be honest. So you mentioned the word token. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is a token? And like, how does that affect the Web3 aspect? What value would this token that you guys are coming up with have? Sure. At the end of the day, the easiest way for a regular, normal person to think about a token is a big spreadsheet with everyone's name. Now, it might not be their real name. It might be their kind of pseudonym. Everybody's name in one column and the number of tokens they have in the column right next to it. That's really what a token is at the end of the day. It's a big list of who owns what and the total number of tokens that are outstanding. Gotcha. So when you are giving away tokens to karate combat members, what then are they doing with these tokens? And like, do they hold monetary value or what's the angle with that? Yeah. So they can do a few different things with the tokens. Number one, they can play the game that we've built and developed that incentivizes them to support their favorite fighters and make predictions on which fighters they think are going to win to stand the chance to win more tokens with no risk of loss. They can vote on which fighters should fight which fighters next, which fighters should get a contract, which should be released, which suppliers the league should engage to run parts of its business and every other thing that would go into governing a sports league, trying to do it in a low friction way, in a way that doesn't bore people, exhaust people, trying not to ask them questions every day, but to do it in a fun way. So this is unrelated, sort of. You mentioned like pseudonyms and then you Mm -hmm. are dressed up currently as Michelangelo and you can be found on the internet by the pseudonym only LARPing. So can you explain maybe the benefit of pseudonyms in Web3 world and why they exist and maybe where yours came from? Yeah, it's actually a little bit more of a tradition in Web3 that may or may not be wearing off in a way. Web3 was started by a man or a woman or a group that goes by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto. It's incredible. And it's actually one of the most unbelievable things in the history of cryptocurrency and even technology, but still the real identity of Satoshi is not known. And, you know, this org or this person, if they're still living, is worth many billions of dollars, may not have ever even touched their Bitcoin. So it's become a bit of a tradition that a bunch of people in this industry don't reveal their real world identity. They build up an identity and a reputation under a pseudonym. And in a way, it allows the technology and the product to speak for itself, to allow the community to take more and more control. Because really, at the end of the day, we're trying to create products that the community 
runs and governs and continues to build for good reasons, because products and orgs and sports leagues that are controlled by the community can really live forever. Companies do not live forever. They live for, I don't know, 100 years, 150 years max. Cities, they can live for thousands of years, right? So we're trying to build the orgs with the persistence of cities, really. And I think that's what is being accomplished. It's very early in the life cycle of Web3, but I think things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and hopefully one day things like Karate Combat can really approach the staying power of things like cities, cultures, etc. So I guess what makes that technically possible is by definition, it's just decentralized rather than yeah, it, controlled by a single entity. It's controlled by like millions of anonymous people that appears, I guess, strings of of numbers and letters. That's definitely part of it. Also, it's the whole ethos and the whole way the space operates. Bitcoin, Ethereum, ourselves, we're trying to put as much of the underlying infrastructure out there in public. What's called open sourcing, the technology really taking the guts of the way everything works and publishing on the internet and letting anybody who wants to use it. You know, the anonymous thing on its own doesn't really do a ton. You kind of have to run the whole org in public and allow anybody who wants to interact with and use it. So that's really our ethos. About a month ago, we announced that we're going to let anybody who wants to to use the Karate Combat IP, the fighter likenesses, the brand, the VFX backgrounds, the content, allow anybody who wants to to use it to create their own video games and NFTs. We've got a bunch of partners working on that. So, And that's just the start. Wow. What I'm hearing immediately is it automatically separates you guys from any other sports league in that most other leagues and corporations hold their IP really, really close to the chest because yeah. that's where they make their money. What you guys are basically saying and flipping the system on its head is everybody now is just inside of the corporation. So it is really incentivizing for a fan to begin to generate their own content. Okay, so let's elaborate on that a little bit. In your particular mind, how are you guys upending the system when you compare to other leagues like professional boxing or UFC or even like the Karate Federation of America? Yeah. What makes you guys amazing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we think that sports are largely a winner take all situation in each vertical. So we've tried to differentiate ourselves from the leaders in every single important vector. Well, first of all, maybe to talk for a couple seconds on the vectors that we're not mainly talking about today. So we've really tried to appeal the product to younger generations. So it's really fast paced. We don't have the grappling that you see in most MMA leagues. We film the fights in front of these beautiful, immersive 3D environments rendered in Unreal Engine. We distribute the content for free everywhere cross-platform. We don't charge anything to watch the events. The exact same time it's shown for free on TV around the world with great distribution partners. It's shown for free on every single internet site imaginable, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. And then on the technology and governance side, we've taken this extremely radical approach of converting the league to a decentralized organization. We've sold the entire league to a foundation. We're issuing a cryptographic token that we're giving away to the fans that 
governs the foundation in almost every way. And then we're gamifying the viewing experience with this game and app and front ends that we've developed called Up Only Gaming that we think will really revolutionize sports. Nice. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about games. I love games. I live for games. So this Up Only Gaming that you guys have started, tell me how this works. I have been given a behind-the-door sneak peek of the application, and it looks very neat. So, yeah, what is that? Get everyone pumped up about it. Sure. So there's this huge kind of secular trend towards, like, the gamification of sports. Anybody who watched sports today, like, they see things like FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars on every single playing surface, every ad break. It's really taken over sports and especially younger generations. Almost half of them will tell you they don't even like watching sports anymore unless they have some sort of bet on it. We had this dream, and this is where this whole path started about a year ago, was imagine if we can get every single one of our fans a little bit of financial upside on every single one of our fights where they care deeply, deeply, deeply about who wins the fight, even if they don't know the fighters' names yet. At the end of the day, in sports, it's all about the connection between the fan and the athlete, right? That's the thing that really creates like long-term enterprise value. But you have to get to that point. And creating great narratives and content isn't quite enough. You got to get over the hump. You got to get people to care initially. And we think and we believe that financializing things a little bit to make people really care about the fights even before they might know the fighters' names is the way to get over that hump. So we developed this game. It uses Web3 technology. Essentially, anybody who owns the tokens, mostly fans, they can vote on the fighters they think are going to win. And if they vote on a winning fighter, they earn a little bit more karate tokens. So they're not risking their existing tokens. It's not gambling because they don't stand to lose anything if they pick a wrong fighter. But if they pick a winning fighter, they get the added bonuses of waking up with a few more karate tokens the next day. But it's all seamless. It also helps the fighters. You know, that part gets a little bit confusing, but essentially the fighters with the most votes on them also fight for a little bit bigger bonuses above and beyond their contracted pay. So we we think we created the perfect flywheel here, the perfect way to use this new Web3 technology in a way that it excites sports fans. Well, I'm a sports fan and I'm excited. Um, <laughs> so that, there's there's one. There's one yeah, success awesome. story. Yeah. Awesome. So far, your success rate is one of one. <laughs> you nailed it. So how do the economics of that work out? Are you guys giving away things and losing value of the karate token or is it maintaining itself like through the up-only gaming system? So what's the financial incentive both for the Karate Combat as a DAO and then for the individual people participating in the game? Yeah, so we have to do this all in a data-driven, smart, iterative way to make sure we're not giving tons of tokens to people who don't care about them and just sell them on a crypto exchange. But from our standpoint, this is the perfect way to acquire new fans, to grow the fan base from, you know, three to five million to 50 million to 500 million. And if we're successful in doing that, 
it doesn't matter how many tokens we give away. The game itself, it does involve creating new tokens for the rewards, but all of those new rewards, they all go to the existing token holders. So you're probably familiar with things like token splits or stock splits, like where Tesla says, hey, there's a thousand shares today, there's 2,000 tomorrow. You went to bed with one share, you woke up with two shares. It's a very similar mechanism for up on the gaming. We're creating new tokens, but they all go to the people who already own them. So at the end of the day, it makes sense from a financial perspective. We're just using the game to get people more and more excited about the product. And if we do that, it's a home run. Yeah, no kidding. So I want karate tokens, Michelangelo. Where and how can I get them? Sure. So they haven't been released yet. We're planning to do it in December. We slipped a few weeks, but very, very early next year. Anybody who signed up with us, you can still go to karate.com, you know, slash airdrop and put your name on the list. Anybody who signed up with us early next year is going to get free tokens. And then after the airdrop, you should be able to buy them on a crypto exchange as well or buy them from a friend or play the game to earn more tokens. So what you're saying basically is 2023 is going to be a huge year for Karate Combat. It should be, yeah. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, we've been building all year, killing ourselves to do this, and it's about to go live, so that's super exciting. And we really believe in what we've built. Dang, Splinter would be proud. (laughs) So last question, what do you love most about karate combat personally it can be from a business perspective fighting perspective crypto you name it what excites you the most and what are you like most passionate about when you show up to work every day so i'm most psyched about the web 3 aspect of it that might be a little bit more hidden and not even the financialization side of it but i think just the open ecosystem play we're going after Mm. so I talked a bit about it in NFTs and video games and RIP, but we want to take that same strategy of letting anybody who wants to to build on the league across the entire org. So soon all the code and for up on the gaming and all the front ends, the app we showed you, all that stuff will be open source. And I'm going to spend a lot of my time trying to convince like really smart young people around the world to build their own businesses on top of that stuff to put like a easier to understand example, like we're doing it in video games, but hopefully soon we're doing it in merch. Let anybody who wants to create their own merchandise with the Karate Combat brand content. Let anybody who wants to create their own content. And I think the emergent, exciting applications that will come out of that when, you know, some smart person sitting somewhere in the world can just go to work and do it. Who knows what people will come up with? And I love that stuff. And it's super rare. The most successful orgs in the world are still these orgs that have been around forever. And like you said, they just have a completely different ethos and way of thinking about IP. There's keep it really close to the chest. Dana White, he goes on TV, threatens to throw you in jail if you stream the fights man, we'll probably give you some free tokens if you stream our fights and get a bunch of people watching it, you know? Yeah. Now, I think there's a really interesting thing to the whole, the way that sports are transforming, like you've said, with the short attention span of viewers, like where you have to figure out some way or another 
how to engage and captivate people. And we're in such an age of content creators. Like if you ask any grade school kid what they want to be when they grow up, they're like, oh, I want to be a YouTube streamer or like a yeah. Twitch streamer. And yeah. they, there's like a desire to create content. And so I think when it comes to sports, the league or the team that can figure out how to include the fans, which is how they make all their money anyway, into whatever else is going to have the sharpest knife in the bag. And sure. the one that does that first does that well. And I think leagues really i don't know any other league that's doing this in any sport so i will just say yeah. i think karate combat is leading the charge on that and i'm pretty bullish on it as they say in awesome. crypto terms so awesome yeah well, i think fan incorporation is everything and so i'm excited about this personally awesome man well yeah. thank you very much that yeah. means a lot so uh, you can follow michelangelo here on twitter <laughs> at, at only larping Yes. If you tweet at him, he might respond with a definitely a, a sir s e r. Definitely. I caught on to that, and that, that's really funny. And then, if you want to join the DAO and be part of the conversation, there is a Discord server called Karate Combat. You can find it on karate.com. Join Discord. It's like the go-to application for a lot of Web three stuff. Do you have anything to add about Discord? No, it's a really nice, welcoming, tight community. Yeah, we'd love to have you there. Sweet. Yeah, check it out. Thanks again for your time, Mike. Appreciate <laughs> you. And can't wait to be at the event on December 17th. So Awesome, man. Yeah. I can't wait to hang. And yeah, likewise. There you have it, folks. Our fantastic interview with Mr. Only LARPing. Glad you're here. Appreciate you tuning in. And we are looking forward to our next episode with league president, Mr. Adam S. Kovacs. So stay tuned in and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am Uncle John with the Karate Combat Podcast, and I will catch you later. Nope.